0: Today's reading is from Psalm 1, which is on page uh, 543 in the Bible. Okay. Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Thanks very much, Helen. Let's keep Psalm 1 open, and let's pray together for God's help to understand it. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Father, as we come to your word now, help us to listen. But help us not just to listen, but to, to think, to ponder these things in our head in our hearts to meditate upon them, Lord, in order that we would leave here as a changed people for your good and for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's fair to say, I think, that the book of Psalms is one of the most turned-to books in all of the Old Testament. In fact, if you've still got a physical Bible there in your hands that you've had for any length of time. You can normally see where the most turned to or referenced parts of your Bible are by the number of black finger marks on the edges of the pages. And for many, one of those is the book of Psalms. And indeed, often some of the individual specific Psalms will be the most turned to ones for some of you here, which isn't surprising. Because when we turn to the book of Psalms, which is before us this morning, we turn to a book that mirrors every experience of the human heart. So when you wander out under a cloudless night and you look up at the skies and you are humbled by the majesty of God and the might of his creation and you're struggling for words, then the psalmist gives you a voice. And when we feel lonely and and vulnerable and afraid and, and we don't know where to turn to next, then the psalmist gives us a voice because believers have been there before. And when life doesn't go the way that we want it to go, and our human plans are shattered, and we find it hard to pray, then the psalmist gives us a voice, because people have been there before. And when we're deeply convicted of our sin, we know that we have wronged our Creator, and we have wronged each other, and we're struggling for the words to say to one another, to God, then the psalmist gives us a voice, and you see, we could go on because the Psalms, they capture the heartfelt responses of God's people throughout the ages as, as God's people meet different experiences and challenges and trials and joys and sorrows that life brings Which is why I think we find it very easy to relate to certain psalms in certain periods of life. Because they resonate with us. We understand where the psalmist was because we're there today. And the psalmist wonderfully gives us a voice. Well before us this morning is Psalm 1. And it's no accident that Psalm 1 is placed where it is here at the beginning of the book as the gateway to the psalms because it packs a matter of such supreme importance. There are, says the psalmist, just two ways to live. One that leads to blessing, which he refers to as the way of the righteous, and one that leads to ruin and destruction, which he refers to as the way of the wicked. Just have a look down, if you would, in uh, verse 1. Look how the psalmist begins. Look at, his, look at his opening word there that he uses, blessed. Blessed. It literally means happy. Happy is the one who. And it's the first of 25 beatitudes or promised blessings that we get in the psalms. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is the one who does not look to the proud. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And we could go on. There are 25 in total. You see, the Bible and the book of Psalms wants to speak about joy, about happiness, about life as God intends it to be, which is a good subject, right? Right? Because everyone wants to be happy. Without exception, every single individual pursues pleasure in life. Which again shouldn't surprise us because it's how God made us. God made us as pleasure seekers. He made us to be happy. He made us to be happy in him. In a living relationship with the God of all things. Now, of course, what went wrong in Genesis chapter 3 is that mankind rejected God, and they pursued pleasure elsewhere. They went after other things to satisfy them and give them joy, and it's been the story of history ever since, which is why this psalm, Psalm 1, is so incredibly precious to us, because it's a reality check. Because in this psalm, the psalmist tells us where true joy, lasting joy, Bible blessedness, genuine happiness is really found. And indeed, where it's not found. And as we shall see, it hinges ultimately on just one thing. Our relationship with the living God. You see, the message of the Bible is actually pretty simple. Of course, God's word is deep and rich and profound, and it can speak to us for an eternity and we'll still not plummet the depths of it. Yet there is a wonderful simplicity as well to God's word. The central message of the Bible is actually pretty straightforward. Going God's way in life is the path to blessing and joy. Going against God in life is the sure path to ruin. There are just two ways to live. And so the question we must be asking ourselves as we, as we walk through these six verses here in Psalm chapter one is which way are you walking this morning? Which way are you walking? Are you going God's way in life? Or are you going another way? Whatever way that might be, there are just two ways to live. Let me read you those first two verses again, verse 1 and 2. As you see those two ways laid out before us this morning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Interestingly, the focus here, often when we talk about happiness, we talk about emotions, but actually the psalmist isn't. When he's speaking about happiness, he's connecting it to our decisions. Can you see that? Happiness comes from making the right decisions in life. And the psalmist actually begins with the negative. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Blessed is the one who does not stand in the way that sinners take. Blessed is the one who does not sit in the company of the mockers. You see, the happy man, says the psalmist, is the one who does not go with the flow of the world. So you see there in the picture, the happy man is the one who chooses, who actively decides to turn away from the way of wickedness and to walk in the way of the Lord. Let me try and apply this principle to you, and I'm going to be quite specific in my application, and this application will only be for some. But it's your job this morning to take this principle and then push it into all the different areas of your life. Picture the scene, if you would. You're working away in your computer, in the office on your own, just tapping away on the keyboard. And a little picture flicks up in the bottom right-hand corner of a semi-naked person. And it's just one click away. The link promises a whole world of images and so-called happiness. And as your hand hovers over the mouse in that moment, you've got a decision to make. Wave the world. Wave the flesh. Wave my own sinful inclinations. Or the way of the Lord in which there is promised blessing. And so as your hand hovers over the the mouse, or translate this to any other situation of life, please have Psalm 1 in your head. Because what does the psalmist say? The psalmist says, blessed, blessed, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Blessed is the one who turns off his computer. Why? Because there is superior joy in following Christ than there is in following the ways of this world. You see, the way of the world promises so much. It offers so much, but it delivers so little. Yes, it may give you a a fleeting moment of happiness, but you know what? The way of the world leaves people feeling hollow and empty and ultimately in ruin. Blessed, says the psalmist, is the one who does not... Who actively chooses by the grace of God with his help to not walk in step with the wicked. What you also see, look in verse 1, is how quickly we can fall into the patterns of the world. you see the progression there? From walking in step with the wicked, to standing alongside, to identifying ourselves with sinners, to sitting in the company of the mockers at total ease with the ways of the world. Psalm 1 verse 1 alerts us to the danger of falling into this downward spiral of depravity, from walking, standing, to to sitting comfortably in the ways of the world. And so when that choice is before us and, and when the little voice whispers in our ears, go on, just spread your wings a little bit. Why don't you let yourself go? It won't matter, will it? Just once. It surely it won't matter. Go on, give it a go. Enjoy yourself. Psalm 1 verse 1 says it's a slippery slope. Because you see, you may begin by walking slightly uncomfortably even in the way of the wicked. Your conscience pricking and saying, this can't be quite right. This shouldn't be happening. But you know what? If you persist down that way, before long you'll be stood alongside sinners, identifying yourself with them, and then you'll be sat comfortably in the seat of mockers at total ease with the ways of the world. Happy with your own sin and happy with the wickedness that is going on around in the world. Blessed. Blessed says the psalmist, is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. But you see, the psalmist doesn't just give us the negative angle. He goes on to give us a positive slant there in verse 2. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Blessing. Lasting joy comes from both delighting in and meditating upon the word of the Lord. And when you see that word there, meditates, meditation there in verse 2, please rid your minds of this, of this Eastern meditation where you sometimes go to a quiet place and, and you rid your mind of everything. You empty it and you go to this place of nothingness. That's not biblical meditation. Biblical meditation isn't emptying your head of things. It is filling it. It is filling it with the wonderful and glorious truths of God's word. Who Christ is in all his glory. Perfect humanity. Perfect divinity. The God-man who went to the cross as our substitute to bear our sin. The one who rose gloriously to new life and has smashed death to pieces. The one who ascended who reigns, John, rules in glory, supreme above all things, the one who will return in the same way he came to judge all things, the one who opens up the way to a gloriously new, restored, physical creation. And the Bible says, will we fill our minds with these things? Will we fill our minds with the truths of God's word? To meditate is to prayerfully ponder all that the Lord has revealed to us. We've had this uh, DVD in our house for a while, borrowed it from Man Jim up there in the, in the balcony. Ham was training for uh, a triathlon and it's called Total Immersion Swimming. I don't quite get it but it's this type of swimming where I think where you're a little bit more under the water so there's slightly less drag and you're more efficient through the water. Total Immersion Swimming. What we're looking at here in Psalm 1 isn't total immersion swimming. It's total immersion in the word of God to be drenched, to be saturated, to be soaked in the glorious revelation of God. Not just dipping a toe into the water of God's word and checking it out, but immersing ourselves fully in the depths of God's grace and the wonder of his life transforming love for us. Total immersion in the word of God. Another metaphor that the Bible uses is that of food. The word of God is, it's food for our soul. We need it as Christians. We need it to survive. We need it to grow strong. We need it to to mature in Christ. And so to meditate upon the word of God is to chew it around. It's to take it into our very being, to let it feed our souls. To chew on the word of God like a cow. Do I need to explain? You know what a cow does when it eats its food and and then it chews its cud, yet it regurgitates it back into its mouth and it chews it again and takes it down and it keeps on doing it. Why? To get every last ounce of goodness that it can out of it. And so to meditate upon the word of God is to chew it around. Not just a quick glance, but to take it into our heads, to, to pray it into our hearts, to ponder it in a way that it, it filters into our life and affects the people that we are. And when we do that, here's the promise in the psalm, when you delight, when you meditate upon the law of the Lord, you get joy. It is the path to joy and the path to gladness. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. And so can I ask you, do you prayerfully ponder the word of God? Do you? Are you maybe dipping a toe in now and again, a quick five minutes here and there? Or are you immersing yourself, meditating upon, chewing on, the wonderful, life-changing truths that God has placed before us in his law, in his word. You see, to not prayerfully ponder the word of God is a sure, fast way to losing our joy in life. Firstly, there are two ways to live. Secondly, we'll see that there are two pictures of life. Have a look down at verse 3 and 4. That person... Is like a tree. Which person? Well, the one who delights in and meditates upon the word of the Lord. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. What a remarkable contrast it is, isn't it? Between the tree in verse 3 and the chaff in verse 4. So different are the believer and the non-believer that the psalmist can't even use two trees to compare the difference. He can't use a mighty oak and a little hawthorn bush over here. He uses a tree and he uses chaff because the difference is so great. Without Christ, says the Bible... People are chaff, empty husks of corn, dry and lifeless, and blown away in the wind. With Christ, the psalmist says you are a towering, magnificent, beautiful, fruit-bearing tree. That is the difference that the gospel makes in life. That's the difference that Christ makes between that tree and the chaff. Just have a look again at verse 3. Look at at the picture of the tree. What a stunning picture it is, isn't it? It's a picture, look, of, of stability. The tree is planted. It is rooted in something secure. It's a picture of vitality, of life. The tree is planted by streams of water that give it life and sustain its life. It's a picture of productivity. It's growing fruit in season, the fruit of Christ's likeness, of growing up to be more like the Lord Jesus. And it's a picture of durability. Its leaf does not wither. What a glorious picture of life. That's life, says God, as it's intended to be. Life as it's meant to be. Life as it can be with Christ. Rooted in him, drinking freely from the life-giving, life-transforming stream of God's word. And then the summary at the end of verse 3, whatever they do prospers. To be understood spiritually and not in material terms. Whatever they do in Christ, for Christ, for eternity, prospers. But in stark contrast, look at verse 4. Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. See, at harvest time when the wheat was gathered in, it was taken to the threshing floor and it was threshed and it was beaten to separate the corn, what you wanted, from the the empty shell of chaff. And then it was winnowed. It was flicked up into the air with a winnowing fork. And as the wind came through, it blew away the light and empty chaff and left what you wanted to keep. And that was stashed away safely in the barn. The Bible says life without Christ is chaff. No stability. No vitality. No productivity. And no durability dry and lifeless and ultimately blown away in the wind of God's judgment. That's what the Bible says life is like without Christ. Remember, as I was preparing this my, my first run at it, I was, I was in sainsbury 's Cafe and I was, I was there looking at this, this contrast in verse three and four, and as you do, you overhear conversations i don 't just listen in all day, but you do overhear ones close by and there 's a conversation going on on two tables between two ladies, and i 'm looking at this picture and i 'm hearing this conversation, and they 're talking about how tough their week has been, and do you know what their remedy was? Retail therapy a day 's shopping to remedy life's ills, and I'm looking at this picture, chaff and the tree, and I'm listening to this conversation about what's going to heal, what's going to remedy, what's going to bring joy in life. I'm thinking, that's chaff. I didn't say anything I should have done, right? Why didn't you say something, Wellesie? That's chaff. Retail therapy's chaff. It won't last. It won't remedy. It won't cure this world's ills. The only thing that will is a living relationship with a living God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what life is all about. Now, it's a stupid question, really, isn't it? But I've got to ask it. As you look at those two pictures in verse 3 and 4, which would you rather be? Would you rather be the tree? Or would you rather be the chaff? Let me ask the question again, which are you this morning? Are you the tree or are you the chaff? Because the only way to be the tree is to trust in Jesus Christ and the life that is found in him and the life that flows from him. There are two ways to live, just two. There's two pictures of life. And finally, there are two eternities before us in verse 5 and 6. Therefore, verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgments, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. About 10 years ago, I was walking in the lakes with a good friend, and we were heading up Skidor, which is one of the larger hills in the lake, and we're, we're full of life, we were fit then, and we're, we're bounding up the side. It's quite a windy day, but we're sheltered as we head. It was sheltered by the massive rock that is Skidor. And as we get near the top, there's a little bit of the way you go up, which comes onto sort of a plateau before then you do the last little bit towards the summit. And as we've come over the top, we're just hit by this wind that is sweeping across the top of the mountain. And it's one of those moments as we come over the top, if you I don't know whether you still do this, but in the playground, you used to put your blazer out when it was windy and you got sent backwards. And it's one of those moments when you come over the top and you just hit. And you're just knocked backwards by the force of this wind. It's probably 70, 80 miles an hour. It's tame in many cases, but you just knock back. And we're pretty determined, so we went on our hands and knees and we started crawling a little bit. But then there's like little stones about that big that are just zipping past you. And we looked at each other and thought, Core, cool, what are we doing and we turned around, back to the edge, and down we went. Totally humbled. Like we bounded up within reason, up the side of Skador, full of life. And we're met by a 60-mile-an-hour wind, and we are totally put in our place. And down we go, trudge down. Mission failed. Have a look at verse 5. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. On the day when we come before the Lord, the wicked will not stand. Blown away in the presence of a mighty, powerful, holy, all-consuming God. I don't know about you, I've heard this before from people who, who, who've had a pretty rough time in life and they're blaming God and they're saying, Do you know what? If there is a God and I go to stand before him, I'll tell him what for when I get there. I'll tell him how he should have orchestrated life, and it's not like this. And you know what? As you hear things like that, I'm thinking, core cool. verse 5. No, you won't. Because you will not stand before Christ on that day, blown away like chaff in the judgment of God but not only blown away from the presence of God, but also blown away from his people. Do you see that second half of verse five? Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The wicked will not stand in judgment, nor will they stand in the assembly of the righteous. They will be excluded from the great church, that great gathering, that joyful celebration for all eternity in the new creation around the throne of God. For the way of the wicked, as we read in verse 6, leads to destruction. But look at the contrast. Do you see it there, the first half of verse 6? For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. What a lovely phrase that is, isn't it? The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. Not just to see what we're doing, but in a fatherly, concerned way for us i was at a, a party about 2 months ago for a friend it was his th- daughter's third birthday and so there's loads of children there it was her birthday but adults came as well nice day outside absolute carnage. There's a, there's a trampoline, there's slides, there's swings, there's, there's playhouses, there's balls, there's frisbees, but there's adults there, so there's drinks tables and there's nibbles. It's just an absolute minefield, and we've got Mir and Caleb there, and I've just spent the whole two hours just watching what they're doing. But of course, as you're watching, you're not just watching to see what they do and laugh, because it's actually quite funny when you watch children, but you're, you're watching in such a way to step in and intervene, Right? If trouble is coming, if danger is there, if someone falls over, over you go as the loving father to pick them up, to dust them down, to give them a cuddle, to put them back on their two feet, to watch over them with a fatherly love. And that's the picture here in verse six of God watching over with tender fatherly care over the way of the Righteous. As one commentator says, God is intimately and personally concerned with every single step the righteous person takes. That includes every step we take in this life, through the joys and through the sorrows. It includes that step we take when we leave this life and stand before our great God. He watches over that step too. And it includes that step when we step over the threshold of heaven into glory to join the assembly of the Lord and his redeemed. He watches over that as well. You see, sometimes I think we can feel a little bit alone as Christians in this world. But Psalm 1 reminds us that's not the case. Because we have a loving, heavenly Father who watches over the way. Of the righteous. There are just two ways to live immersed in the ways of the world or immersed in the life giving, life transforming Word of God. There are just two pictures of life the dry and lifeless chaff that is blown away in the wind, or the towering, magnificent, beautiful, fruit bearing tree that is rooted in Christ. And there are just two eternities before us. Eternal ruin or destruction apart from the goodness of God forever. and eternal blessing, joy, pleasure, life in the company of the Lord and his redeemed. And the difference on each account is the gospel. It's Jesus. As we said at the beginning, our eternal happiness hinges on just one thing. Our relationship with the living God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we finish, let me read to you some words of Jesus from John chapter 10 as he beckons, as he beckons this world to come to him and to find the life that's available in him. Look at what Jesus says. I'm the gate, the way to life. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Why don't you take a moment to reflect on those words of Jesus on the screen and how they relate to the two ways of Psalm 1 take a moment in your own hearts